In case you hadn't noticed, the world's gone a bit wrong recently. Now, I've been practicing social distancing for a while, but now it's more important than ever to avoid unnecessary contact with everyone else and stay inside as much as possible. It's gonna be tough on everyone, not least for people on the front lines like medical staff and retail workers. But whoever you are, whatever you do, and whatever happens from here, you're gonna need a laugh. So please, make a cup of tea, put your feet up, and allow me to be your personal court jester. Because while sports, clubs, and pubs are off the agenda, this show is corona-proof. So let's have some fun. Welcome to Ollie's World. The village of Haim Latimer, usually asleep in the cosy coma of Middle England, suddenly woke up last week in the midst of a brand new arrival to the community. All my neighbours, the ones with enough money to matter anyway, were buzzed with excitement because a man had rolled up to the manor next door. One and a halfpenny miles away, that's how close we're talking here, in a jaw-droppingly gorgeous British racing green Jaguar. All the way up to the driveway, Butler opens the door, and out stepped my ex-brother-in-law, Clifford Reap. A foul man who carried with him an even more foul stench wherever he roamed. Mr. Rip had arrived in the village to resolve matters of my dearly departed Agatha's estate, and as such I was forced to leave the comfort of this Mive Thomas Manor and associate with this uh, most repugnant man. After all, I couldn't let him take Agatha's clothes, for they have great sentimental value to me, and no matter how much my maid Lucinda washes them, she can't seem to get all the blood and bits of brain out of them from when I had no choice but to put down that helper boy who caught me in the act. That's also very last series, though, so Instead, I decided to embrace my meeting with Mr. Reap with a positive mindset uh, by focusing on that gorgeous jag of his. Before Mr. Reap's visit, Lucinda reminded me that to maintain my possession of Agatha's clothing collection, I should strive to be kind and friendly to him, not cold and callous like people imagine me to be. I can't think why, but they do. So, up to the manor Mr. Reap came, I could smell that he was coming up to the manor before I could even see him. He offered to shake my hand, but I told him we shouldn't do that anymore. Instead, 
I said that good chums should bond over a nice, relaxing, non-germ spreading drive in the countryside. He's so proud of that jag, he offered me to hop in straight away. When we were in the car, the stench was abominable. But I had to remember to be kind and friendly. So I made sure to ask about Mr. Reap's car. Oh, Mr. Reap was very excited to discuss his prized Jaguar, wasn't he? And as we drove through empty country lane after empty country lane, he droned on and on about the specifications, the technical details of his Jag, and about how he could go to the shop, show the racetrack in it, and about how much money it would go for to auction if he ever decided to sell it. But uh, of course he would never because he loves it just so much and on and on he went like this, on and on and uh, I mean I didn't know how he and Agatha ever managed to have an actual conversation with each other growing up because neither of them would ever shut up. Listening to this smelly, tiresome oaf prattle on about the car put me right off the thing. It's just a tool, a piece of machinery. Suddenly I wasn't feeling nice, or friendly, or kind anymore. I really didn't care what happened to the car by then, and I never cared what happened to Mr. Reap. So, to get out of having to listen to him for a single second longer, and to get away from breathing in that abhorrent stench. I did the only thing I could do in that situation. The only thing. I grabbed the wheel and jerked it violently towards me. I wasn't wearing a seatbelt, because those things are very dangerous. So I was of course able to open the door and leap out of the car as it began a terrifying spin into a roadside ditch. Because of the angle I had cleverly engineered the car to spin at, when I jumped out I was able to step straight out onto the road while the car plummeted into oblivion behind me. Very, very wise of me, if I do say so myself, because if I had turned the wheel the other way, I would have surely been run over by the car. There was a terrible screech of metal upon metal upon tree, and then a ginormous explosion in a fireball that soared up into the sky above Hyam Latimer. Mr. Reap was very, very dead, of course. I very much doubt anyone will miss such a loathsome, smelly old man. The police questioned me. That's becoming a bit of a regular occurrence now. But Sergeant Hawksworth is a very nice man who understands that I've been through many, many traumatic events in the past few months, none of which I could do anything about, nothing at all. He wished me a speedy recovery, and he was off again. And best of all, because I was Mr. Reap's next of king through Agatha, his life insurance payout went to me. Hmm. I wonder how I'll use that cash, hmm, hmm, now that I think about it, hmm, that Jaguar of his was quite marvellous. I think I may inquire as to that model's availability. What a nice way to remember Clifford and Agatha Reap. 
gone but not forgotten. Maybe I am becoming kinder after all. Oh shit, shit, it's Sadie. Alright, Sadie. Yeah, yeah, not too bad, not too bad. Just oh, fucking stressing my nut out about these exams, yeah? It's like, I want to do well in that, yeah? But I'm not, like, also, I want to say just like, fuck it. And just muck it up intentionally, yeah? Yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, I mean, they could be cancelled, but I'm not taking any chances, babe. No, I don't care Reels took over the corner, I don't. I need to pass this shit, babe. I don't care about any of that stuff anymore. This is more important, honest. Alright, babe. Alright, alright. I'll see you around, yeah? Alright, yeah. Ah! Fucking revision! I woke up starfished out on the low tide shore of Dunwich Beach. I was completely naked save for my signature hat, sunglasses and mint green shirt. Unbuttoned because my inland empire told me to discard all but one button in my possession. I did not feel particularly naked at all, but something it could have been a seagull or perhaps. A very old woman or rock told me to grab a bushel of bell heather to cover up my little Daryl. I had been in a tonal stasis for the previous two months. A shutdown of the body, a creative hibernation brought about by traumatic recollection of Spider and I. But do not worry about me, because by waking up, and waking up on the very beach where I recorded my first found sounds, my mind and body had guided me to the very place I needed to be, to metamorphosize and visionate into a brand new Ono. A very tall man with a tiny dog walked past me at that moment and took pity on me. He said, the man that is, not the dog, He'd often seen naked men on this part of the beach. But usually they were 
walking into the sea rather than being washed out of it. Because of that, he said that I was very brave and offered me a pair of pants to help me on my way back into civilization. The tiny dog barked in approval at this, clearly not wishing to have his nakedness threatened by mine own. I happily accepted the pants in exchange for my bell heather. I only found out upon putting them on that these pants had been soiled in. But by the dog over man, I am cursed to ponder that for the rest of my days walking on this plane of reality. So after walking in my makeshift excrement-filled clothing across the Suffolk Heaths for several days, dodging the ghosts, monsters, and other unidentified unfathomables that inhabit these lands. I finally made it back to Woodbridge, where my Yage brewing friend gave me some new unsoiled pants and some trousers and shoes too, though I felt those were a bit unnecessary, as they made me feel quite overdressed and self-conscious. Luckily, the man also whipped up a fresh brew just for me. We partook, and he even let me take the leftovers home with me. Such shamanic kindness fueled me all the way back to London, where, with my mind cleared and my third eye opened once more, I went to the people and told them my story. To leave the studio, to stop making music for just a few nights was a most liberating experience, and it's what Spider would have wanted. This doesn't mean new music by Daryl Ono isn't coming into your universal experience and also onto SoundCloud, though. Oh no. For you see, whilst I was on the other side, drowning in the void, carried away by a river of rogue sharp and flat notes, I heard a call from the other dimension. I accepted the reverse charges and picked up. For I knew in my infinite subconsciousness, but it was my brother, Roger, calling out to me. Also, his name was on the receiver display. Roger! I exclaimed. How are things? 
In my lovely sweet dream realm. Daru. My brother's voice was somber. The lovely sweet dream realm needs your help. We are in a crisis. All our sound is old and frail. We need a new sound to enhance our colors, our souls, our essence, before it all fades away. So, now with my brother back in the picture and our ability to communicate restored, the brothers Ono must collaborate. That's, uh, that's Timothy. Uh, listen, I don't know if you wanted to, you know, come down to the parlor tonight and, uh, you know, we could sing a song or two together. Uh, it, only if you wanted. Only if you wanted, of course. I'm, 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 I'm feeling quite lonely. I, Belinda, I, wa I want you back, Belinda. I want you back. Belinda! Please, I'm feeling so lonely, I want you back. Please pick up the phone, Belinda. Uh, hey guys! Uh, listen. Uh, I've been getting some feedback about the, uh, the music on the latest, uh, Viscera Foods marketing campaign and I've got to say guys uh, it's not positive uh, a lot of people uh, thought it was actually quite scary and uh, quite depressing uh, and that's not the brand image but uh, we here at Viscera Foods uh, want to present so uh, I'll leave it to you the unpaid interns to uh, figure out some new music for our next campaign uh, I don't know something upbeat uh, something happier, um, possibly something house music-esque, uh, but not, don't, don't, don't use exactly that, come up with something on your own, uh, that's what we're not paying you for, uh, I can't wait to hear what you guys come up with. Hey guys! Great to have you all back here at Viscera Foods! Uh, head office has been actually physically buzzing with activity since the Xmas break. Uh, we've been busy sorting out new marketing campaigns and viral communication strategies. Uh, been absolutely brainstorming away. And uh, we think we've come up with something uh, a little bit special. Uh, you see, we've partnered up with a load of up-and-coming 
TikTok creatives uh, tried to hook in a young audience onto our products um, by getting all these kids uh, to take the hashtag human meat challenge uh, where they get this have to murder their parents, brothers, sisters, cousins, etc. and eat their raw flesh in one of their videos all set to Billie Eyelash or that finger in his ass song that these incredibly thick children love so much uh, and of course because TikTok has all these built-in video reply things going on uh, all these fan bases have been uh, going around murdering their own parents, loved ones, whatever uh, doesn't matter because in every single one of these videos uh, which are all going viral because they contain some utterly horrific content that uh, children just can't get enough of. Uh, because they all stem from the original video that we paid some kid to make, uh, they all have the Viscera Foods logo right there in the middle of the screen, uh, next to all the butchered bodies and raw cuts of human, uh, which is all subtly implying to the viewer uh, just how delicious uh, all that fresh produce will be when it's all cooked, processed, and wrapped up in a Viscera Foods branded frozen food product. Uh, in my humble opinion, this campaign is the best work I've ever done as head of communications for Viscera Foods. Uh, it's been an absolute treasure to add to my portfolio. Uh, and surely, surely, it's going to uh, absolutely clean up uh, during awards season uh, due to the campaign's synergy uh, of new media and traditional brand values. Of course, uh, the campaign has not come without a, a very real human cost. I'm talking, of course, about the all-nighters I and my unpaid interns have had to pull to get the show on the road, so to speak. Uh, it's been really hard labour here at the office. I've had to sleep under my desk every day of the year so far. Literally haven't been back to my home. In fact, I can't even remember where I live at this point, or if I even have a home at the moment. Uh, but that's all just small potatoes when I think about the sheer amount of money I'm making at the moment. Uh, not just for myself, uh, but also for the most important thing in my life. Profit for the business for Viscera Foods. Do you know what really annoys me? No, it's not international pandemics but rather presenters, YouTubers, anyone else who creates anything online, referring to their audience as you guys. It's so impersonal. Like the individual doesn't matter, only the collective. It says to me anyway that they only care about their final number of subscribers and viewers, and not each person who actually makes up that number. Maybe I'm only saying this because back in the day, when I was trained to host a radio show, the first and most important thing that they told me was to refer to the audience in the first person. To talk to you, the listener. 
Maybe outside of radio that's just considered fusty and twee and old-fashioned. But I love that connection between you and me. I want to foster it. Nurture it. I want to make this show for your ears, Ollie.